Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. Uh, I am now recording. I am also recording. Alright, starting in three, two. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Cinema Shop Podcast. I'm your host, Ben, aka the Marvelous Iggy, and joining me is the legendary tie your shoes? How why how would I tie my shoes? I'm not wearing shoes. <laughs> Oh no! Um, I don't even know who the fuck you are. Anyways, um, we are uh, the Cinema Shop Podcast. Uh, we are now in. Hold on, let me do this for memory. We are now ten movies in. We're ten movies in in the twenty-two part saga in Phase Two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, known as the Infinity Saga. There we go, nailed it. Um, and today we're talking about. I, I uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, aka ever the the movie everybody thought. Well, if the MCU is gonna fail, it's gonna be here. Who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? Am I right, guys? Um, do you, I don't know if you remember that conversation because I think you were still on Netflix at this time, but I definitely remember those those conversations online. I don't recall that specific uh, discourse on the internet because I wasn't really paying attention to it. Although, when I did hear this movie uh, coming out, um, I was like, oh, what the heck is this? Uh, this It's a Marvel thing? That's kind of cool, I guess. Um, then um, then I hear that uh, Chris Pratt is in it, and uh, me and my older sister uh, were watching Parks and Recreation at the time, and he was a big actor in that show. And we were like, yeah, sure, we'll go see it for that. And then when we came out of the theater, we came out, to one of the best Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe experiences we had in a while. Like... Yeah. Yeah. It's a, sh- I, it's I, a surprise I, movie for sure. Yeah, I was like, who are these characters? Because it was like, you already had... You, you, you sold the people on Thor and Iron Man and Captain America, but Guardians of the Galaxy? What, what are we doing? They're new at this point, right? Uh, well, the Guardians is... Okay, here's... Let me put on my nerd glasses. The Guardians as a team have been around since the 70s. Um, that name, at least. But this, like, what we see, which is Star-Lord, Drax, Gamora, these, this team, that actually was very recent. Um, basically, Marvel in, like, 2007 were, were like, hey, we want to do a fucking relaunch of our cosmic side of our universe. And they had this whole thing called the Annihilation Wave event. If you can find the books, either digitally or physically, they're really good, like, uh, space opera stuff. Like, big bombastic war, space war shit. It's really, really fun. Okay. Um, and out of that run came Guardians of the Galaxy, which started in 2008. Um, there was two books that came out of it, which was Nova, which is one of them, uh, which we do see representations of the Nova core here, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, which is what the team would be compromised of, as well as other members like Mantis, and later in Volume 3, um, uh, oh god, what's Adam his Warlock. name? Adam Warlock, yeah, so that was the team. So, but the core team of, you know, Drax, Gamora, Star-Lord, Rock and Groot, that was from the 2008 book. Um, and they've been in popularity ever since then. So, really, they did this because, like, somebody at Marvel was like, hey, we, th- this book was hot at the time. And they were like, let's turn this into a movie. So, that's where kind of Genesis from. Because outside of Yondu, uh, forgive me for going into the nerd explanation here because I don't ever get to... It's fun to do this because not a lot of people know about the Guardians. No, it's fine. It's why we're here. Yondu is like the only, at least in this movie, 
the only re- connection to like that seventies Guardians of the Galaxy book. If you actually look up Yondu, what he looks like in the book, he's he's still blue, but he's such a vastly different design character. Wasn't and then, Rocket also from that time as well? Because I recall Rock, that um, he was introduced a bit earlier than Guardians was. Yeah, Rocket's an older character, but this version of Rocket is definitely from the modern era. Okay. Um, I mean, Star-Lord's been around since the 70s as well, but that version of Star... Like, these characters have been around for a long time, but they didn't really... Like, they were like they were like niche characters. Like, if you you had to be, like, a super Marvel nerd... Even, like, when they were coming out on the shelf, on the on the, on the the comic store at the time, I didn't know who the fuck these people were. Like, who the, who the, like I knew who uh, Adam Warlock was because he's in the Infinity Gauntlet storyline, but I'm like, who... Drax? Star-Lord? What the, what the fuck are these people? And I didn't read the book because of that. Wasn't like, I don't Groot read an evil tree at some point? Like, what's going There's, on here? Groot has a whole fucking thing behind him. Groot used to talk in sentient, in sentient uh, sentences, if you want to, in full sentences, if you want to believe me. But uh, go read it. It's by, uh, just look up Gardens of the Galaxy. Um, I believe it's Dan Admit and Andy Lang are the writers, and they have various artists who worked on it. Um, but it's a fun. It's only two volumes for the complete collection. If you want to, if you like this movie... That's the. Those are the two books you w- you want to buy. There's they're gonna get you to want to buy other books that kind of circle around it, but just read those two. But we are not talking about that anymore. We are talking about the 2014 summer hit of August summer. We are, I think it's the nine. We just passed its ninth year anniversary, which is crazy to think about. Um, of, of of Gardens of the Galaxy. But uh, Tyler, again, let's we, let's go in anticipation for Percy first. We talked a little bit about the discourse. What about you in your binge watching of? In preparing for Infinity War, what was your anticipation coming up to this movie? Um, I had no real high hopes going into this film at first. Um, like the only real connecting thread to me in this movie was um, some of the actors that were involved in it, and uh, in particular the director James Gunn, who I've seen a few movies of at the time. Um, so it was just one of those movies where I had virtually little expectations, but came out thinking. Wow, this is one of the best Marvel movies I've ever seen in a while. Yeah, um, I, I remember hearing James Gunn. He directed he directed a couple of cult horror movies beforehand, so like I knew his name, and I didn't know what to expect. Right, like I was like, mm, I don't, I don't know, because like I like it's one thing to like expect something out of an Iron Man or stuff like that, or the other Avengers movies, because I personally have experience with those characters. I have an idea of what to feel like. And it was kind of, I remember it, it was like, it was kind of exhilarating to go into this and be like, I have no idea what to expect. I, I don't, I don't know what to think. And, um, in that sense, I think it made the movie more enjoyable. I know plenty of my friends who are die, actually diehard Guardians of the Galaxy because they're old as dirt. And they did not like this version of the film because it's so different than the comic interpretations. But as you can see, the, they don't dictate the market. The global audience uh, launched onto it, as we're going to talk about. But let's go ahead and break it down before we break it down. This was directed by James Gunn and written by James Gunn and Nicole, Nicole Perlman. Uh, of course, this is based on Guardians of the Galaxy by Dan Abbott and Annie Lanning. So, like I said, it's based on that run. Not necessarily the original run from the 70s. So, just get, just, just to clarify that. This was released uh, in America on August 1st, 2014. Uh, with a runtime of 122 minutes. Uh, with a box office of uh, but a uh, budget of two hundred twenty-three million dollars, and a budget a box office of seven hundred and seventy-three point three million dollars, it's pretty good for a bunch of nobodies in a space opera. You know, yeah, right. that's that's pretty good. Our cast: Chris Pratt is Peter Quill, Star Lord. 
Zoe Zaldana is Gamora, the daughter of the daughter of adopted daughter of uh, Thanos. Dave Bautista, wrestler turned actor, is Drax the Destroyer. Vin Diesel, wow, Vin Diesel just we could just not escape Vin Diesel he can't at get all. Away. No, Vin Diesel, Family Man, is Groot, uh, who possibly has the easiest role in this fucking movie. Bradley Cooper is Rocket Raccoon. He's not called Rocket Raccoon, but he's Rocket Raccoon. He's not a raccoon, period. No, exactly. Lee Pace is Ronan the Accuser. Uh, Walking Dead's Michael Rooker is Yandu Undanta. Uh, He's in other things, but that's where I think most people of the modern era would recognize him. We saw him in Fast and Furious as well. Is he? Where was he in Fast and Furious? I don't remember him in that. The 10th one. Oh. Was it the 10th? Ten- oh, okay, okay, okay. We haven't gotten there. I haven't seen that one yet. Uh, and oh, Karen- the 9th one, sorry. Oh, I don't even remember him being in there. It's been so long. Uh, Doctor Who's Karen Gillan is, is Nebula, the sister to Gamora. Uh, Digimon Hansu is Korath, a servant to Ronan. In special appearances by John C. Riley as Roman Day, which I love seeing John C. Riley, and Glenn Close as Iran. Um, Rael, who is basically, um, um, oh god, uh, basically, uh, she's basically the Nick Fear. No, she's Nova Prime. I was like, what? Her name's not, I don't know why they don't name her Nova Prime. And finally, we have Benicio Del Toro as Tanelar Tevan slash The Collector. And of course, we have a special cameo. The first actual appearance of Josh Brolin as the Mad Titan Thanos. Yep, this is the first time we see him here in proper... Yeah, exactly. So let's go and talk about it. The story. Um, unfortunately, I forgot how depressing this movie opens up, Tyler. I really forgot about that. And yeah, it goes in dark places in the beginning, but then uh, it crumbles in the facade um, about five minutes in. Yeah, unfortunately, we see Peter Quill at a young age see his mom die. I won't lie to you. I started get, getting a little misty eyed because it took me back seeing my grandmother in a hospice bed, but I've been open about that either way. Uh, but then he gets captured by what we now find, later find out is the Ravagers, which is a band of people uh, who kidnap kids for a deep secret purpose that we find out in the volume two. And Peter is, and we're int- immediately introduced to the tone of the film as Peter puts on um, Come and Get Your Love and does an amazing dance routine through this seemingly ancient space temple looking for the orb. He's um, just doing Chris Pratt things. He's just doing Chris Pratt things and pretty much sets the tone of what the movie's going to be like. The movie doesn't really stray from this and, and it, it's it's emotional and and it's also hilarious. You're going to have a good time. Um, he is then interrupted by Korath who is, a, again, a, a, mercenary, a, a henchman for Run the Accuser and he pulls up the legendary name of Star-Lord. And we get the great line, who? And of course, you know, <laughs> pl- playing up to like, man, I'm Star-Lord, man. Nobody knows oh, who this guy on, is. dude. It's me. It's my out. It's my code name. Um, so Star Lord ma- uh, manages to get away. We don't exactly know what the orb is, um, and then we believe we also meet our villain, which is Ron the Accuser, who is basically a religious zealot um, uh, for the Kree Empire, which are the blue aliens. We meet them later again in Captain Marvel, um, and uh, he basically believes that, like any religious. Uh, select that he hates diversity he hates anything that's a blended of culture so he wants to burn the nova the um xandar down which is the home of the nova core um peter tries to set uh, also then uh gamora is gamora and nebula are introduced and gamora is assigned by thanos to go and retrieve the um the the orb we just noticed the orb it's the MacGuffin. uh peter tries to sell 
the orb by himself, but he's like the the, the buyer's like, "Where's Yondu? Eh, don't worry about Yondu. Don't worry about that. Buy it from me." Um, and then um, he uh, he utters the word Ronin. Um, the the clock, the shop collector freaks out. He doesn't want anything to do with Ronin. I'm surprised that Peter doesn't know who the fuck Ronin is. You think he would, but he doesn't. Um, so um, he meets Gamora. Gamora steals the orb. That hijinks ensue where they run into Rocket and Gamora. Huge hijinks ensue, including my one of my favorite shots, which is Peter running out of like the bag that Groot puts him in, like this big ass trash bag, and he runs like he's having his pants dropped or something. And then Groot tasers him. Gamora gets knocked out. They all get arrested by John C. Riley. Who did you ex- did you expect to see John C. Riley in this movie? Uh, I didn't expect him, but it was a welcome surprise. I love John C. Riley and pretty much yeah. everything he appears in. It's a, oh, Star, oh, oh, Lord, is it the Great Lane? It's okay. It's, hey, good it's to a have Star Prince. Yeah, exactly. It's it's not weird to have a code name. It's not weird at all. Which great John C. Riley is just great at this, that kind his, of humor. His Steve Rule approach really rubs off in this performance. Exactly, um, and so then we get and and possibly the best way of like giving breakdowns of all these characters. At least up to this point, we find out who Drax it not Drax, Gamora, Star Lord, uh, Rocket and Groot to an extent. And honestly, uh, they call Rocket by his his name in Volume Three, um, and I forgot they called him that for the, so long. So that's how you that's that's what you yeah. Call they allude to that a lot, and unless you've I've, seen Part Three, you won't know what the heck they're talking about. Yeah, it's like PN nine one zero three or something like that. But it's like it, you'll find if you haven't seen Volume Three by now, you'll find out what it actually means. Um, uh, and so they're processed, and they are taken to the kin. We get the great famous shot of. Star Lord doing the doing the um, the fishing line and flicking every, flicking off the Nova Corps officers, oh, which is I'm great. So sorry. Yeah, I don't know how this thing works. <laughs> it's so great, uh, and they are processed. I love that um, Uga Cha the, the that song "Hooked on a Feeling" is used during the, the 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 prison processing. I don't know why, but it's so fucking funny to me. Um, it's so fitting. It's it it is their process. Um, and so everybody wants to kill Gamora because, you know, Mad Titan, gotta kill Gamora. Um, you know, you kill this. And Groot, imme- Rocket immediately is on the law with using Groot as his muscle. Listen, you fuck with me, oh, well, you can have Gamora. But if you fuck with him, you fuck with me, okay? You go, okay. You want to get him, you go through us. Or more accurately, we go through you. Yeah, even uh, Rocket, uh, Groot showing that he's not a pushover. He breaks that dude's nose with his twigs. That's pretty menacing. Trees are trees. Trees can fuck you up. Um, Respect the trees. Exactly. Our Tolkien. And and so this is where we meet Drax, who immediately knows that Gamora is the daughter of Thanos and is an associate to uh, Ronan. So he wants to kill um, Gamora because Ronan killed. I thought it was Thanos who killed this kid, but maybe it was Ronan. Um, and I'm misremembering. I believe it was Ronan, but maybe Ronan maybe is just the lackey of Thanos. True. So he wants to kill her, um, but he in Star Lords, fucking dude, dude just kept rolling nat twenty for charisma um, every fucking time because he manages to not have Drax do that. And but he manages... rolls ones in um, in persuasion in some instances because Drax is completely literal. That's not his fault. That's just a that's just a Drax character trait. It's in his character sheet. Um, and so he convinces Drax, along with them, to do a jailbreak. 
Rocket comes up with this great plan, including stealing a dude's leg, which is one of the best running gags in this fucking series, um, of Rocket just asking for random shit. It's like, oh, I didn't really need that. I just thought it'd be funny. They break out of prison after Gamora was convinced that they were all going to die together because they're just so stupid. Drax with the greatest line in this, possibly one of the most funniest lines in this movie with, um, uh, it's a metaphor. It goes, it went over your head. Like, it, it would not go over my head. My reflexes are too fast. <laughs> and it's just like, it's just like... No, before bro. that, it always gets me when uh, Quill calls him a walking thesaurus, and he just goes, do not ever call me a thesaurus. <laughs> it's like, we'll talk about Batista in, in a moment, but at the end, but like, because we're going to talk about all the characters. So, they break out, and basically they're trying to go... They, they eventually find their way to nowhere, which is where Gamora's buyer. We find out that Gamora was going to betray Ronan, she was not going to take back the orb... And there we get to nowhere, which is basically the head. This is this is the part where I went, oh, this is this is Marvel Cosmic, where we see the head of a giant dead celestial being. Tyler, what did you think when you saw that thing for the first time? Um, I figured it was a really cool set piece, though I didn't really know its significance since I didn't know uh, the existence of celestials as of now. Not if you in, in terms of the MCU, no. This is like the first movie you see it. And that head is from that same comic book I was talking about earlier. That it's, it's and it's basically they're living inside the head of a dead god. Just just that sentence alone. Xenoblade Chronicles. What? Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so after some rough, Rocket gets a little drunk. We kind of get some hints of his backstory. Uh, Rocket. Uh, they are then they meet with the collector. Who? Oh, god bless you, Benicio del Toro, and your um, extravagance. Um, he tells them the origin of the Infinity Stones, and I I love this scene because we get to this is the first time since Avengers where we're like we we're get actually, actual lore. We get lore, and bro, I I remember being in the theater just sitting forward and be like, let me in, let me tell it to me all, tell it to me all, give me what I want, give me what I exactly. Um, and then that giant thing you saw—that is—that's actually a full celestial. Um, so that—that's what that thing is. Uh, and, you actually, and funny enough, if you actually watch the movie Eternals, you see more than one uh, celestial. So there's that. Um, so uh, they want to sell the power. It's what we find out. It's the power stone to um, to the collector. Uh, but shit goes bad. Uh, the collector's servant, who was basically tired of hearing his shit, says, fuck this, touches the orb, dies from the sheer power uh, power of it because no mere, person, no mere mortal being can touch the, the uh, power stone. Uh, so Gamora's like, we gotta fucking, we can't just, we can't give it to him. We, we, cannot, we can't do that. That's too much power. Why um, do you still have it? I don't. I don't know. Why, I, I don't know. So they they figure it out. Meanwhile, Drax is mad. He fucking does the dumbest thing in this movie, and he calls uh, Ronan. It's the dumbest to thing nowhere. in this movie, but it's perfectly in character for him. True. It's this is not a cinema scenes ding shit. It's it's legit dumb, but it's great for his character. So we have a big fight on nowhere with both Ronan the Accuser's goons and the Ravagers because they picked up the call. And great, great sequence. Um. Gamora nearly dies, but then Peter Quill somehow in deep space saves her, stays alive just long enough for him. That's kind of. I mean, I think it's not that far fetched. We learn later his origins, but we'll get to that. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like deep level. Like, wait a minute, how is he able to do that? We find out why later. 
Um, and so they're kidnapped by the Ravagers, and um, Thanos, uh, Ronan now has the Power Stone. Ronan has it, and Ronan basically says, "You know what, Thanos? I'm a big boy. I can. I have this fucking purple stone. I could beat your ass." And like an idiot, he grabs it and he's able to maintain the power and put. He fucking enchants his damn hammer, and he basically says, "I'm coming for you, son. Once I destroy Xandar." I'm coming for you next. He was basically pulling a Bill Goldberg promo right there. Um, <laughs> and Nebula, uh, uh, um, because Nebula hates her father so much, she's like, I'll help you. Um, so now it's basically all out on Xandar. If Ronan touches Xandar, Xandar's dead, as we saw with the Celestial deal with the Power Stone. So it becomes a full-on... Like with the Nova Corps, the Nova Corps shows up, which is really really cool. The Ravagers are fighting against the. It's called the Dark Aster, which I love the look of this ship. It's so fucking menacing. Yeah, um, right. They're really inspired with with the, with, with these ships. Um, we get some great action set pieces inside the ship. We get a great moment where Groot, um, they land where the Guardians land inside the ship, and Groot lights the way and just says, "We are Groot." Um, it's a big, big battle in the daylight. That's like you don't get a lot of comic book scenes that are like at the time. Like there, there for a bit, a lot of the stuff was at night, um, and here it's like broad daylight. You get to see everything, um, you know. Event, uh, but unfortunately, the Dark Aster just crash onto uh, Xandar, despite the Nova Corps having the biggest Cyrax net I've ever seen. It doesn't work, um, and then we. <laughs> And all hope is seemingly lost. And then Peter Quill starts singing, "Ooh, child!" And it's like, "Wait, what? what are you doing? What are you? What are you doing?" And everybody he is, is inspired by the greatest movie that he's ever seen, Footloose. Footloose, exactly. Kevin Bacon, um, and 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 Star Lord challenges him to a dance off for the universe. Wouldn't it be fucking hilarious if Ronan accepted? Bro, I I hope I wish there was like an edit out there where he just starts he just starts break, he just breaks it down. In the outtakes, he actually does. Okay, I need to look. At, I I I haven't I watched it on Disney Plus. So I for, I have not seen the special features in so long. Um, but ro- I am I rem- I am ma- Ron the way Ronan was feeling is the way I'm pretty sure the audience was saying. Like, wait, wait, what? What? Are you-? No. But I remember I remember laughing and he goes, "I'm distracting you, dumbass." And that allows enough time for uh, Drax and Rocket to launch a, basically a little missile to the hammer, breaking it. Peter catches the Power Stone, and at first it looks like he's going to like go up himself, uh, but he doesn't because of the power of friendship, because all the Guardians join in the circle line. It's literally a Sailor Moon moment! They're in a glowing purple thing, holding hands to channel the energy. It's power of friendship. Don't want to hear it otherwise... Shut the fuck up. Power friendship, and sure. and they manage to contain the or the contain the power stone. Stop Ronan. The day is saved. They and dust they are, his ass. Du- they dust his ass exactly. And now um, he is. Um, they are officially christened the Guardians of the Galaxy. They get a, they they keep the ship. They get new uniforms, and and they go on to to save everything. Um, and then and Groot uh, reverts to a child. By the way, Groot is a baby now, and then merchandise. All the all around the fucking world, um, which then set the path for Baby Yoda. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. There are is there only one credit scene or is there two? I believe um, it's only the one. It's only the one. Okay, 
Um, so I'll go and talk about it now since there, it really isn't, uh, it's one of the more like comedic, um, uh, ones we're pretty much it's just back a whatever at, thing, but it's, um, it's kind of, uh, oh yeah, that exists kind of thing. If you're it come, and it, the thing. it comes back for volume three for sure. Um, uh, Tavon is sitting, the collector sitting in his ruined, um, cassette and we see Cosmo, the astronaut, uh, Russian dog, telepathic. But then also we see fucking Howard the fucking duck, voiced by Seth, um, oh god, what's his name? Seth Green. Seth Green. There's like, Seth, I was gonna say Seth, Seth Rogen? No. Seth McFarlane? No. There's too many Seths. And they all work Seth together. Rollins. They all, Seth Rollins? Yeah, <laughs> Howard the duck. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that actually, that actually worked. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's just Howard the Duck. It's just Howard. I remember, like, oh, my God, it's Howard the Duck. No, we're not getting a Howard the Duck movie. Um, you'd think they would have done a, a, a Disney Plus special at some point, you know. But, no. Seth Green's probably too busy with Robot Chicken still in, in season 50. Um, Robot Chicken and getting wrapped up in NFT scandals. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Um, okay, so there you go. That's the story for Guardians of the Galaxy. It's it's a lot. It, it's a it's a two and it's a um, it's a hundred twenty two minute run film, but it moves along really really well. Yeah, like I always make time to watch this movie every once in a while, and even though it it has a one hundred twenty minute uh, runtime, it doesn't feel that long at all. Like no, it's re- really decently paced, and yeah. it also helps that all the actors have great chemistry, and the movie itself is entertaining and incredibly funny. Yeah, it, it's it's a it. I think what really works about Guardians of the Galaxy is, especially because we're coming off Avengers, right? Where like they had to bring all these different characters from different franchises to come together. Here, you had to make a two-hour movie, introduce every single character, make you care about every single character, and the main story. And they were able to do it. And I think a lot of it goes to the fact that the that the main cast gelled so well together. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, I can't see as anyone else. Like, he has the exact right charisma for this type of character. It's like he was tailor-made for him. Yeah, uh, I think they wrote this role specifically for him because he had that right level of, like, charisma, like a Captain Kirk, but he's just, but he's a, but I guess Captain Kirk was a himbo too, but, um, would you call he Captain has Kirk more ja- He has, he has more Jack Black energy, if I can yeah. describe it. Yeah, more chaotic. Just, just, just shit just goes wrong every time, you know. Versus like that, and he Cap- has a level of humility that I can appreciate. Yes, he he he's willing to take his L when he needs to. Um, and just like there's something about like obviously, the, and and I think they chose that well because it that performance makes it believable that the other guardians follow him. Um, in and sometimes well against their own will, but they follow him regardless. Um. And, uh, I, I think Chris, like, and similar to the, and granted, you know, Star-Lord's character in the comics wasn't exactly special, I want to say, at least in the stuff I read. So, adding Chris Pratt to this, he was pretty much given a blank canvas. You know, he didn't have the pressures of, like, a, of an Iron Man or, or, or Thor or Captain, or Captain America, where there's pre-established, um, uh, ideas of what these characters sound like, right? So he could do whatever he wanted and it worked out perfectly. Yeah, just uh, throw a bit of uh, his uh, Andy from Parks and Rec and just make it into a superhero. That's basically yeah. what it is, and it works perfectly. Yeah, no, he, he, he knocked that out of the park, and um, 
Uh, and also, like, those really emotional moments. He, like, it's not just that. Like, as we see, like, like, we'll see later on, he's really good at those emotional moments, too. Like, he's a... Like, I know the internet loves to hate on Chris Pratt because of his personal views, which is stupid. Like, he's never professed anything, so you're just projecting nothing there. Like, I'm not protecting him, but, like, it's kind of... Fu- it's, it's just messed up to, like, just judge a dude because of his... Of what he believes in when he's never said anything to say he one thing or another, but he's really good as an actor. He's he's incredible. Yeah, for sure. Um, he he has an it factor about him. Now let's talk about the second best performance in this movie and possibly the most surprising performance of this movie. That's Dave Bautista. Dave Bautista as Drax. I honestly had no idea what to think of Drax at first. I figured that he would probably just be like a background character, but. He ended up being one of my favorites by the end of it. Right. Um, what's funny is that Batista came back to wrestling that year, and he quit wrestling right before the Guardians movie went like on um, on uh, tour. So I was like, "That's how, oh, that's that's why he's leaving because he's going to do the press tour for the Guardians." Um, I because like there's always been a stigma, right? Only prior to this, you had like Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was probably the biggest actor. Biggest wrestler turn actor at the time, then The Rock. It was just those two. And there was also Andre the Giant in The Princess Bride. Andre, yeah, true. Andre, I would say, is a different category because I would talk about, yeah, you're right. Respect Andre the Giant, yes. And he was great in that. He was amazing in that. But there is a stigma against it, namely because Hulk Hogan, because let's face it, you watch any of Hulk Hogan's movies, while they're fun, he's not exactly great. He's pretty bad. Um, yeah. And, and The Rock. To his he was actually pretty good at this point, but he was kind of getting one note. I think this is when he started to become very much like that one note. Like I'm just going to play Dwayne Johnson. Um, I'm, I'm not going to challenge my bounds like he we did. We definitely before. saw that in the Fast and the Furious movies, that's for sure. Which was running alongside around this time, I think. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I wasn't sure what to expect from Batista because I knew him as just like this big, bad, mean. You know, wrestler guy. It, you know, he he could make you feel things as when he talked. Like he he was a good talker, but that doesn't mean you're a good actor, right? So, what I liked about it is that James Gunn basically put him in the deep end and said, "Go." And his comedic delivery, fucking perfect. Yes, it is second to none in this movie. He has some of the best comedic lines in the film, bar none. Because if. Like, the reason why that metaphor joke works so much is his delivery and tone. You fuck that up, that shit does not land and people are just groaning at that. But with him, the way he delivers it, oh my god, it, it, you're in stitches. You want more of him. It's so good. He, he as, I think this is his first time, his first major acting gig. Yeah, I believe so. So, and this is in a major Hollywood movie with, you know, part of a cinematic universe... And he did, he, I think he held his own. Um, and would obviously, he grew, he grows as an actor in not just the MCU, but in other films he's done. Um, but, like, I remember being very surprised with Dave Bautista, because I just assumed they were going to have just, you know, Drax, for all I knew, was just a big muscle dude. And that's about it. And I thought that's what they were going to have him do. Maybe grunt, maybe be, I thought they were going to have him make him be like Hulk. No, he was a full-ass character. He mourned his daughter. That... What sold me on him as an actor in this movie was after Ronan absolutely beats the shit out of him, right? Just unrelentingly beats the shit out of him. 
And um, yeah, he beats the sense into him. And and th- there's that humility that Drax suffers has at the end of it, which is like, okay, he nailed it. That's that's perfect. I I don't know how accurate that is to Drax as a as a character, but in terms of his acting, perfect. For sure. And he only gets better from here, folks. Yeah. Now, let's talk about the other standout real quick, is Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. Um, Alright. Who's like, I still boggles my mind that they got this guy who is like, extremely attractive, he's extremely hot, very good looking, and I, this bro, I think I was as surprised with Bradley Cooper's performance as I was uh, Dave Bautista's performance. Yeah, everything that Rocket says in this film is great A gold. Like, he always has some sort of uh, snarky, uh, uh, smart-ass r- remark. And just his cadences, um, the way he delivers them, is just priceless. Right. And it's like it's like he's doing an accent, but it's not It's not a specific accent. Um, like, he just... He's like that little bit of chaos that, he, that you just add into, like, a dish, and it just works. Um... And, and his his repartee, pretty much everybody in the cast is good repartee with, with each other, um, which it, it shows. Um, but also, and very much similar to Drax, it, it's all nowhere is where the movie sold me. Um, when he's drunk and like clearly in pain, emotional pain because he got called a name that brings awful memories to him, and you'll find out why in Volume Three. Well, you won't with us because we're not going that far. Um, but I wish we did. Um, you know, if it, if the fucking thing was wrapped up, I would say let's just do it. But I don't want to go to somewhere that's not complete. We could uh, skip all the crappy movies and go straight to Guardians Three. We could, <laughs> we, we could, we could, we could do. We could, I don't know. We'll think about it. Um, but when he's like in that bar and he's like, he called me Vermin, and like, bro, I remember tearing up in the theater a little bit because he fucking put his whole fucking chest into that line. Yeah, he like, like the range of the range of Rocket in this film is just something I wasn't expecting to like, and yeah, it just it's just mind blowing. Yeah, um, you know, the, it's it's one thing. Like again, it shows that he's not just a this snarky character. That's mostly what he is, but it's it's those little human moments that make you realize that these are just these are actual characters. These are people. And, you know, we're just lucky to watch them. And, and that's when that believability of movie making comes in. Um, you know? So, perfect, perfect, perfect stuff. Uh, let's talk about um, uh, Gamora. Uh, Zoe Saldana. Um, I, I liked her personally a lot. Yeah, Gamora's cool. She honestly doesn't have a lot of personality compared to most of the other Guardians, but I think she does her part well as the straight man. Yeah, she's definitely the, like, I can't fucking believe we're doing this. She does, Now, to be fair, she does get more to do in the second movie, emotional-wise. Um, but I do like her, like, it, it kind of... Because I feel like... The, this is my own criticism movie, and this is not with Gamora, but, like... All of a sudden, she's like, "I'm gonna turn." I was gonna turn on uh, Ronan, and it feels like that was just sort of like in the like a. I kept thinking in my head that she was gonna double cross the Guardians again because like she only told them after they got caught and they were going to the prison, right? But she never did, or maybe she was. Um, but 
I I like I like Zoe because any Zoe Saldana up to that point for me she always plays the badass woman who could snap your neck and you would go yes ma'am one more time please may I have another please as as your neck's just just broken um but like um you know definitely confident definitely self reserved um I liked her chemistry with Peter Quilt with uh, Star Lord a lot. Yeah, for sure. They definitely have uh, moments in this film, and they definitely flesh that out in Volume 2 Beyond. Exactly. Um, uh, that's what's funny about rewatching these movies, that you start seeing little things that sometimes it's like, well, you never planned that shit. What the fuck were you doing? Um, but sometimes you get stuff like that where, like, oh, okay, I clearly see what you're doing here. Um, and it was, uh, and for, and for Gamora. Uh, even though she doesn't have that much, I, I just wish there was more teeth to her turning on Thanos, you know? Which, again, it all comes back in Endgame, you know? It, that's pretty much what we're setting up for here in Infinity War Endgame. So, in that sense, it pays off. It just feels like it comes out of nowhere initially. Like, you know, we have to get Gamora onto the Guardians, and maybe there was stuff that showed her beforehand, and you just have to cut it. But, um, ultimately, she she works well within the unit, and she holds her own with the other characters. Um, uh, last but not least, let's talk about Vin Diesel as Groot. Uh, or I guess I, and what more is there to say? I am Groot. I am Groot. Hopefully, that is, doesn't translate to a racial slur. Hopefully, hopefully not. No, it's Vin Diesel. It's of course it's not. Um, I won't lie to you, man. Um, I really thought it, I I thought it would get. I remember back in the, when I first heard they were gonna do Groot, and I knew that was his thing. I thought people would hate that shit, but I love that people just love I am Groot. And, and yeah. It's just, it's just, it's like Chewbacca, it's Chewbacca, he's basically Chewbacca. Yeah, Chewbacca, except he's a big-ass tree. Exactly. Um, Which, it it works out so perfectly. Um, That being said, though, I I remember when they were, when when, uh, Groot is forming the the branch shield around them when they're crashing into into Xandar, Um, I did not think... A fucking sentient tree could make me cry, but he, there we were, August 2014. I still remember. I fucking started crying because he just goes, "We are." I'm like, "God damn it, no, don't!" And he died. Well, okay, technically he dies because they have confirmed that the Groot that is in the next one that's his kid. So it's it, Groot did die in this movie. So this Groot was pregnant. I guess I don't know how how fucking their physiology works but or their their, their I won't uh, question it don't question it, it's comic books um but like um it, it's amazing how like he like it's not always but like how he would say I am Groot certain ways and you could tell he was talking about something uh, based on his inflection and that's not easy like he cause he very could easily just went I am Groot I am Groot but he does do a level of like you know, I am Groot. And, like, where he's, like, asking a question, I am Groot? You know, that kind of thing. You know? Which I think Not is, only uh, that, uh, but also his facial expressions, uh, whenever he emotes, is basically what sells his character for me. Oh, like, yeah. Like, he's just, he's just the big, ch- he's just the big, uh, lovable chungus. That's all. Exactly. He's the, he's the, he's the muscle with the heart of gold. Um, and, and together they, they form a pretty great cast. Uh, is what I'll say. Um, let's talk about our villain, Ronan the Accuser. 
Um, Which is a rad fucking name, by the way. Yeah, he's a long-term Avengers villain, um, which is why I'm sad what happens to him in this movie because I wanted him to come. I wanted him to come back. Um, But what did you think of Ronan the Accuser? Um, As far as MCU villains go, he's all right. Like, granted, the whole movie is about building up uh, the protagonists, which are the Guardians, so they don't really spend a lot of time developing Ronan. Like, we know that he's uh, a political zealot, just trying to cleanse whatever he doesn't understand. Uh, So there isn't really that much room for his character development, unfortunately. No, he's pretty much one now, but I do find him intimidating. Like, when you see him in that first... Anyone that can wield the Power Stone almost effortlessly, yeah. That would make me shit my pants. Yeah. Uh, It's also his voice. Like, it's just like... Because I've seen like I've seen Ronan, I knew what Ronan was gonna look like, but I did not like what is Ronan gonna sound like. And he just has this deep voice. Uh, I you know. stand accused. I- exactly. It's it's so demanding and intimidating. And then on top of that, he has this cool ass hammer um, that he wields that he judges people with. If it he... wasn't Lee Pace portraying this guy, it would probably be Triple H. Probably yeah. Um, it it was it's a it's a pretty one note performance. But it's a well done. Sometimes you just want a, ba- a bad guy to be a bad guy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. it, it, it's it's pretty good. Uh, that being said, though, I love that they demonstrate the power level of this of the MCU. I sorry, I, hate, I said that word. The power structure, rather, where he goes to see Thanos, and Thanos tells him possibly the coldest line in the movie. He, he calls goes, him boy. Calls him boy, boy, and says, "I will bathe the starways with your blood." I'm like, oh, damn, that's such a cold fucking line. And and then the camera cut. It cuts to to Ronan's face, and Ronan is just like, "I just shit crease. I just shit crease style right now." Um, Nobody's like, just I, like, "Yeah, whatever." Yeah, and he, again, he gets the power stone. What now, Thanos? Um, uh, we do see Ronan again. He's in Captain Marvel because that's a prequel movie, so we do get to see him again. Technically, that is true. Um, not as good though, but he's there. Um, but I won't lie, <laughs> him, <laughs> the dance off where he like goes, "What are you doing?" was just perfect. Just I love the delivery that, of that line. I want to believe no one told him what the pl- what they were gonna do, and he just started and he, and <laughs> like I want to be- Lee Lee, come here, come here. Okay, whatever, whatever, um, whatever, whatever. Uh, Chris does, just go with it. Okay, just just go with it. And action, and he goes, "What are you doing?" Just stay in care, because <laughs> it felt so like I didn't know what was going to happen there. It was it was truly truly un- unexpected. Um, I I couldn't believe it. Uh, is there anything else we left off? Uh, well, we we could talk about Nebula, but she doesn't really do that much in this movie. No. She is... She gets a lot of her development in the second movie and, of course, in in the Avengers films. She's pretty much a foil, only a foil here. And you get... Like, the most you get with her is that, like, Dad like Gamora... Dad likes you more than me, pretty much. Oh, uh, we also do see um, her um, weird berserk armor, like, um, regenerative powers. Like... Her bones like snap, and she like snaps them back to put them back in place. It's gross. Yeah, they do that several times in this fucking in the in the Guardian series. Um, it is fucking gross. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, she just much like Gamora. I feel like if we're gonna be a criticism of anything, um, 
the the ladies get the short end of the stack in terms of their character development, which they do again. Guardians Two fixes that problem, but in this movie, I wish they had more. Considering they're you know one, it, you have the tale of two sisters who are the daughters of the, of the Mad Titan. Yeah, you think they would do more with that, considering how big Thanos is being built up to be, but we don't get that here. No, we, we, we do get it later. It does happen, but just not here. Um, okay, uh, okay. Anything else? Is, is, is that all? I, 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 I think that's it. That's either, I think that's about everything. I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, alright, so... We now have seen... One, two, three Infinity Stones. So only two remain. Um, uh, and we're still fucking several movies away from uh, Infinity War, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, so uh, we now, after this brief trip into space, we go back to Earth because the Avengers have to team up once again to stop a diabolical threat that they, cre- that they created themselves. Next week, we're coming and back. And Hydra. With- and also, yeah, Hydra's there too. Um... I just also there. Next week we come back, we we watch Avengers Age of Ultron. Until next time, guys. Uh, we are Groot, but Tyler, please tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at TireShoesRev2. Uh, check the pinned tweet to take you to my YouTube channel, Home of Tire Shoes Reviews, where I review old-ass fighting games to your pleasure. I just dropped a Tekken Tag 2 video as of this recording, so... Go check that out. I have a really big project for the finale of that retrospective coming up very soon. Uh, okay, and uh, you can find me at twitter.com slash marvelous Iggy and um, at twitch.tv slash Iggy2814, uh, where I stream four times a week Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday. Um, and of course, go to church.com for this episode and all things more. Um, okay. That's going to do it, everyone. We'll see you all next week for Avengers Age of Ultron. Until next time, we are Groot. Do not call me a Groot. (laughs) Now I'm standing. Y'all happy? We're all standing up now. Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle.